Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the Feast of Christ the King. And how appropriate, as we conclude our liturgical year this weekend. Next week, we celebrate the beginning of Advent, but also the beginning of our liturgical year. And throughout the next year, we're going to be hearing from primarily the Gospel of Luke. Now, it's important for us to know a little bit of history regarding this celebration. The Feast of Christ the King was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925, an answer to a rising number of dictatorships that were popping up all over the world in different countries, as well as an explosion of modernism that was occurring rapidly in Europe. Modernism was a philosophical way of life that promoted the absence of God, as well as the freedom from God. To order one's life as if God doesn't exist, and in doing so, now you have complete freedom in your life. It celebrates the individual being the center of their life, rather than God being the center of one's life. great example of this is the philosopher Nietzsche, who was prominent at this time. His philosophy was called the will to power. Nietzsche argued, Only when an individual would follow his own will does he truly have power and freedom. Nietzsche would say, if you follow God's will, God is suppressing you because you're not following your will. You're following God's will. Nietzsche would say, true power, true freedom is found in the individual alone and him following his own will. Well, we can see why. Pius XI specifically intended to proclaim this feast of Christ the King in a very striking and effective manner. He taught Catholics that we truly believe Jesus is our true King. He is to whom our life is ordered to, now and always. Now, if a person were to say Jesus is just another religious figure amongst many, well, they're wrong. If they were to say Jesus is an inspirational leader amongst many. They're dead wrong. Or if they were to say, Jesus is a great prophet amongst many, they're still wrong. Jesus is our King, to whom our lives are governed by. And so we proudly proclaim that, not just this day or this weekend, but each and every day in how we live our life. Now, we can boldly proclaim that, as we live in the 21st century here in the United States. But if you lived in the first century in the Roman Empire, this was a very bold statement. In fact, I would argue it was a very provocative statement to make. If you lived in the first century in the Roman Empire during the time of Christ and the Apostles, you would have to say, Kairos, Kurios, Caesar is king. Whether you liked it or not, he was your king. 
Now take it to a deeper level. The person that you called your king had great overtones to it in your life. Whoever you declared your king meant that you were a loyal subject to that king, whereby you became a living extension of your king, which meant what? Whatever values your king held, now you hold those same values. Whatever beliefs your king had, well, there are now your beliefs. Whatever way of life the king lived, now that was the way of life you had to live yourself. And yet, after the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, a small little band of individuals, as we know them, the apostles, said no to Caius Curios, Caesar is king. And they said yes to Jesus Curios, Jesus is king. And we see that in the first century Christians, as they boldly proclaimed, Jesus Curios, Jesus is king, with all of the ramifications that came with it. We see that in the epistles of Peter and John and James, especially Paul. We also see it in the early church father's writings. Now, we have to appreciate how revolutionary and how provocative this statement was, that Jesus Christ is king. Now, again, if you are living in the first century and you made this statement publicly, you risk the fact of you could be thrown in jail. Why? Well, first and foremost, remember, Christianity was an outlawed religion of the state of Rome. You couldn't practice it. You couldn't even talk about it openly. Worse yet, Caesar was your king. Caius Curios. To say another person is your king, well, you'd be guilty of treason. Therefore, you would be thrown in prison. That's what happened to Paul. You look at St. Paul. His ministry lasted in total about 25 years. He spent half that time in Roman prisons throughout Asia and Europe because he proclaimed what we celebrate today, Jesus Curios, Jesus is king and not Caesar. And yet, Paul is just one example. Look at the apostles. Many of the apostles were systematically hunted down and martyred because they proclaimed what we celebrate today. Jesus Christ is Lord. If you look at our church, the first 300 years of our church, it was persecuted. Many of the popes were martyred during this time because they proclaimed, Jesus Curios, Jesus is King. Now, with that in mind, let us go into the gospel. Here we see two kings confront each other. Jesus Christ, the king of our lives and the universe, and Pilate, the king of Palestine. Now, take a step back. If you look at the Gospels, all four of the Gospels, the political rulers of that time aren't very good characters, whether it's spiritually or morally. I'll give you some examples. Look at Herod. Upon hearing of Jesus' birth, he ruthlessly commits genocide and killing of the innocents. Look at Herod's son. He beheads John the Baptist and then participates or contributes into Jesus' death. Look at Pilate. He's no better. He actively executes Christ. Now, in this exchange in the gospel, Pilate says, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus responds, Do you say on your own or have others told you about me? 
Now, it appears Jesus' answer is quite evasive. Why? Because Jesus knows Pilate's idea or Pilate's image of what a king is, it's based upon the Roman kingship, which is to serve with order, to have the ability to be brutal and use violence to put down uprisings, and above all, to support a system of domination. That's Pilate's view or image of kingship. And see, Jesus knows that. That's why he is evasive. He's telling Pilate, I'm not that type of a king. Now notice Jesus continues. He says, my kingdom doesn't belong to this world. Now don't make the mistake that Jesus doesn't care about us or this world. He does immensely. That's why he was born into this world and that's why he died on the cross for each and every one of us. Jesus essentially is telling us his kingship, his way of order is not based upon fear, domination, sin, or violence. That's the Roman order, the order that has ruled for centuries on end. What we have to realize, after the fall of grace with Adam and Eve, Our world was ordered or based upon fear, violence, sin, and death. Well, now Jesus comes into this world and he establishes his kingship, his new order. And it's based upon what? Compassion, forgiveness, charity, the virtuous life. And see, that's what we have to live by in order for us to truly be subjects to our king. For our life to be ordered to our king, we have to live the virtuous life. Now, one last thing to think about. After this exchange between Pilate and Jesus, Pilate sends Jesus out to be executed on the cross. St. John of the Cross once said, When Jesus is raised on the cross, the whole world sees its true king. Yes, Jesus is crowned but his crown is of thorns. Yes, Jesus reigns from a throne, but the throne is the cross itself. And when Jesus is on the cross, and every time we come into our churches and we see the crucifix of Jesus on the cross, we see that self-sacrificing act of love. Then we are reaffirmed in our faith that Jesus truly is our King. And in doing so, his beliefs are our beliefs. His values are our values. His way of life is our way of life. And when we do that each and every day, then we become a living extension of our King in this world. Then no matter where we go, whether it's in the workplace, at home, in the neighborhood, whether it's at Walmart or pick and say, wherever we go, based upon how we behave and how we conduct ourselves, we boldly proclaim just like the first century Christians, who truly is the king of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.